can't have something standing here without thinking about it. Oh, some soaps. Thank you. It's very pretty. Thank you. Technology. I want to make sure this is really moving. So do you see something? Oh, okay. I have a different picture over here. Am I going to be able to see my slide here? So that I know I'm on the right thing without having to turn around? Okay. I have two things I have to do. Press here and press here. And I may be forgetful. What can I say? Well, hello, everybody. And I really am just one of your community members. And it was exciting to be here. It took me a whole half hour to get to church, although, because there was an accident. Anybody there on 127 where there was an accident? So anyhow, we took a lot of tours today, and uh, we're here. And my mother is here. You want to wave, Mom? Yeah, she's here. She's my greatest fan, and she's very helpful. And sometimes she's a little hard of hearing, so she thinks everything is okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm sure that you have discovered that scripture, when you open it up, that it's not just what you read that is going on that's so amazing, but as you read it, the Lord tells you things that, that you need for your heart. Have you ever had that experience? And things that you didn't see before, you can't get over how exciting they are. And so <clears throat> I spent almost uh, a month and a half in this story about Mary Magdalene, and I saw so many things. I got out my concordances and Ellen White. I got out maps, and I looked at things, and I looked at history books. And Mrs. White says that we should contemplate exactly what happened all the way up to the cross. We should visualize like we're in those scenes, and so I did that, and I'm going to take you for a little ride today. I hope that you'll go with me. And before we do that, I also noticed that it says that we should be praying when we're in a sermon that God will impact our heart with what we learn so that it will be an impact to us and it will it'll change us for each time that we come to church. So I would like to have you, I want to make sure this is going. Oh, nothing's happening. You're going to have to do my slides, huh? Oh, it did go backwards, so it's just a glitch. All right. So before we do that and we open the scripture, I would like to have you say a prayer with me. Oh, I'm having my own little glitches here. So I'd like you to repeat this after me in a prayerful form, okay? Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you, God, for this holy day. I fully believe in your holy book. I ask the Holy Spirit to open my heart and teach me thy ways. Amen. We are going to take our story today from Mark 14. Okay, thank you, Michael. You helped me at the conference office, and now you're going to help me in church, and I appreciate it. Oh, 
So anyhow, it is from Mark 14, and if you want to keep your finger in that, that will be fine. And again, as I said, today we're going to be talking about Mark 14. You can find this story in all the Gospels, but the most clear story is in Mark 14. So come to me as we come to us, come to Jesus as we are talking about as he gets to the cross. I having my own glitches. Okay. So here we are in the story. Mary stood all alone in the crowd, as she always did, alone, trying to see over the shoulders of the people in front of her. Jesus of Nazareth was coming that day and was passing through the area. If only she could see him. He told the crowds that he was going to die and if that happened, she wanted to be able to commemorate him with something that she could do. If only she knew what to do, especially something big enough. But she had come up with a plan and an idea. Mary was so drawn to Jesus, just to be like Jesus and to be around him. It was like bees to honey. She, he was so exciting when she was there because it touched her heart. It made her want to be around him all the time. Her heart was really empty, but when she was with Jesus, she felt so loved. She really felt like she was worth something. Even Mary's brother and sister did not seem to make her feel very belonged. Not the way Jesus did. Jesus, well, he was full of love for Mary and for everyone he met. When Mary sat with Jesus, Jesus filled her heart with hope for her future. Jesus cared so much for her that he even took time to cast out the demons in her life. And he didn't do it just once. He did it not once, not twice. Do you remember? Not three times, not four times, not five times, not six times, but how many Seven times. You would have thought Jesus was sick and tired of Mary, especially when she kept going back to those, but he never seemed to be unkind or unhappy. You know, mothers would say, you know, um, I've, I've told you a million times, I've told you once, right? Or fathers would go, if you say, do that again, and I'll tell you one thing, and you'll, and you'll find out if you do it one more time. But Jesus, Jesus continued to help Mary. The community considered Mary a fallen woman, a sinful woman. Looking for my slide. And they were right. She was even, well, she knew what she was. You know, men leered at her when she was in the marketplace. Some wouldn't talk to her and others grabbed their kids tightly when she walked by because she was evidently somebody that they thought would harm them in some way. This treatment constantly reminded Mary of who people thought she were, was and how unworthy she was of the love around her. She was always different. Jesus knew all about Mary. He knew all of her sins. All of those were exposed to him. But instead of hating her for her weakness, he fully accepted her as a person who is worthy of his great love. Having troubles. 
Hmm. I'm going to put it on my own thing. Okay. Jesus was not a people pleaser. Showing love, especially to those who were despised. Jesus lifted Mary up from the despair that she felt so much. When she was around Jesus, she felt very important and very loved. It made her feel hopeful. With his help, she knew that she could be just like him. And this filled her heart with excitement. Jesus, again, knew all about Mary. And he fully accepted her as a person full of great love. The more Mary spent with Jesus, the more time he spent with Jesus, the more her heart changed. She had a driving hunger to know him more and more about him, and that's why she waited in this crowd. She always desired to know more. And when she was around him, she thought of all the questions that she wished that she would know. If only she could talk to Jesus. But even just for a few minutes, she always had a question. But how would that be possible as all those people were thronging around him with all these people crowded, they wanted to be healed, and they pressed around her, and she realized that her chances of seeing Jesus were slim. Yes, it was very difficult. It's entirely possible that Satan would also be speaking to Mary because Satan speaks into our thoughts, and sometimes we hold on to those thoughts. He probably was saying, why would Jesus want to talk to somebody like you, Mary? Why would Jesus want to see me? I'm a wretched sinner, she must have thought. I've done such unforgivable acts. Sinners can't be in the kingdom. Mary could only stop thinking this way if she asked Jesus to give her strength. And God is always happy to help people. She finally realized that imperfect people will be in heaven as well. They didn't have to always be perfect in their lives. Mary saw on the edge of the crowd how Jesus was being talked about. She could hear some of the stirring going on around her. She feared for Jesus' life, and she also feared for her own life. How will I survive emotionally, even spiritually, if something happens to Jesus? Suddenly, she was interrupted by a familiar voice of Jesus. She could just see him up the street. He walked her way, speaking to the crowd as he passed. Mary could see a religious man in his robe walking up to Jesus, and she knew who he was. She heard him. He stopped within hearing distance, and she heard Simon the Pharisee say something to him. She knew who Simon the Pharisee was, if only she could forget. She tried to push those dark thoughts aside. After all, that had happened many years ago. She heard that Jesus had just healed Simon of his leprosy. Simon must be thrilled that he was healed, she thought. Simon spoke to Jesus in a commanding tone, and Mary pushed in closer to hear what Simon was saying. Why, Simon was asking Jesus something about a meal. Hmm. Oh, he was going to be the honored guest, she could hear. Oh, and so was her brother Lazarus. He said something about people had questions, and he was inviting some friends to his house. Oh, Jesus was nodding his head. He was going to go to his house. Yes, he was going to go to Simon's house for dinner. 
Mary had been to Simon's house before, and she knew exactly where he lived. It wasn't far from her own home. Now, from what, it is, what is written, Simon did not accept Jesus as his savior, only as a teacher. Because of Simon's sinful character that had not changed when he was healed, he still remained in his sinful state. And his plan was not to just ask Jesus questions. Mary broke away from the crowd, and she ran down the path to her own house. She wanted to go to Simon's house ahead of the crowd so she could honor Jesus. She rushed into her house, and there under her little bed, she searched for her perfume, and there she found it, her little perfume. She grabbed that little flask inside a little alabaster box. The perfume contains something called spikenard. Spikenard is something very costly, and she tucked it into her clothing, and she exited her house. She hurried down the path. It was several blocks to Simon's house. She wanted to arrive before the crowd arrived so that she could stand near Jesus. Mary's sister, Martha, was the caterer that day at the dinner, and Lazarus was the honored guest, but Mary, of course, Mary was not invited. Mary hoped to just get close to the table that day. You see, the custom of that day was that even if you weren't invited, if you went into the house and stood as close to the wall as you could and you didn't interrupt any of the conversation and you just were like a fly on the wall, you were invited to be there and listen. And she wanted an opportunity to be there just to be close to Jesus. Observers would be coming in as well, but she was the first. Luke 7.37 tells us, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with her alabaster jar of perfume. And as she saw the house and opened the door, she saw she was really close and away from the crowd. I mean, with Simon's door open, she walked in, and there was that well-laid-out table. And just inside Simon's house was the servants getting things ready. She moved inside, and as was her duty, she got out of the way. She looked at the chairs, and she tried to figure out who was sitting in them. And she sat, I mean, she stood near the one that looked like it might be Jesus. And she just was thinking about, Jesus is going to be coming into this very room. She dared to hope that she might be able to speak to him or whisper something to him. Perhaps she could, she was singing that song. Have you heard that song? Just to be near my dear Savior I adore, that will be glory for me. Maybe she was singing that. Mary could see the servants scurrying. They were filling the glasses on the table and getting ready for the big meal. People from the community started to come in and they were pressing closer and closer, but she was pushing and she was making sure she stood her ground near the table where she thought Jesus might sit because she wanted to be close to Jesus. And a few moments later, Simon walked in looking very important. His servants rushed towards him, and they had a basin of water so he could wash his hands 
and then they dried his hands with a towel. You see, Palestine is very dusty, so it was always the custom and a cleansing thing to, you know, wash your hands, and then the next thing would do, they would do is they'd put the pail down on the floor, and they would step into it, and they would wash their feet, and then they would dry their feet, and then, well, there was more to come, but this was the master. So next, Simon dried his hands and his feet, and he sat down at the table and waited. Now the chairs were not upright chairs. They kind of were lounging chairs. That showed that you were you know, having a wonderful time not rushing your guests. So he lounged at the chair. And he looked around the room, and his eyes probably met Mary's. And he probably gave her that evil eye. The room was quiet, but Mary stood her ground. She just couldn't wait because the Savior was coming next. A few moments later, a Pharisee entered the house. The Pharisee took two steps. Remember that, two steps. And then he stopped. The servants rushed over to him, and they washed his what? Hands. And then they dried his hands. And then they put the pail down, and they washed his what? Feet. And then they dried his feet. And then Simon would treat his guest to a holy kiss. Mwah, mwah, right? And then, not only that, he also had some olive oil. And he would take a little olive oil and put it on his fingers and he would dot it on their heads. It was a way to show great honor to your guests. And it was also considered a part of ritual cleansing. And Simon was smiling graciously, happy they had come, showing them to the seat, having them place it and their place at the table. Simon and his guests were speaking probably to each other, having a great time when another person came in, maybe a Pharisee, and again, the servants would rush over to that man, and they would take the basin, and they would wash what? His hands, and then dry his hands, and then they would put the basin down by his feet, and they would wash his feet, and then they would dry his feet. And then Simon would come rushing up to him, and he would do what? Kiss him on both sides of his head, and then he would put a little oil, and he would do what? dotted on their forehead, and then he would show them to the chair, and then this would come in, and this would happen over and over. As each person came in, Lazarus would come in, more Pharisees would come in, and they always followed the same thing because it was the custom, and it was a good custom, and it was important. One of the servants, I'm sorry, then Simon said to his servants, Take this basin of water and this oil too. Take it and put it away. And the servants interrupted and said, but, but master, not all of your guests are here. And he said, I asked you to put it away. So they put it away. Well, that's really odd, thought Mary. Why would that happen? Jesus isn't even here yet. Mary didn't have to wait long because Jesus soon appeared at the door and he was saying goodbye to people 
as he was at the door. He walked into the hall and he took how many steps? Two, because you see Jesus, when he could do the cultural things, he did those cultural things. He knew better than to walk in with his dirty feet. And he stood waiting for the servants or someone to bring him a pail. And he stood. And he stood. And the people at the table probably looked up, but no one moved towards him, not even the servants. Maybe the servants looked at their master like, can't we do something? But there was nothing. The servants looked over, and Simon showed no permission. And all the people just stared. Jesus stood there alone, as he had done a lot of his life, waiting, an awkward silence. People watched the scene, and probably they were a little embarrassed for him because no one treated a guest like this. They say silence is golden, but sometimes it's just plain yellow. People like Lazarus were surprised at Simon's lack of hospitality. Why wouldn't anyone say anything? Jesus looked at Simon, and Simon smiled at him, we're told. But it wasn't a nice smile. It was kind of a smirky smile. It was like he resented Jesus, or he got him, or something. Who knows? Jesus looked with serious eyes at Simon and then at the other guests around the table while the silence continued. And Jesus looked at them one by one, but they dropped their gaze. They looked down. They avoided Jesus' eyes. No guest of any caliber in that time was ever treated this way, let alone an honored guest. Jesus could see the servants were distressed by not being allowed to do anything, and the people continued. They thought maybe Jesus was going to tell Simon off. But with a tender look, Jesus walked with his dirty feet over to the table to the empty chair that he assumed was his and sat down. Unwashed feet and unwashed hands. The inhospitality showed that the love Simon felt for Jesus was not there. The rudeness of his behavior prompts us to ask, why did he invite him as a guest if he wasn't going to do anything for him? Simon and some of his guests resented the fact that Jesus had so many followers and they were jealous. The priests and rulers saw their hold on the people was weakening because of their devotion to Jesus and this made them very resentful of Jesus. Jesus was looked at through some very unfriendly eyes right there at the table and it became evident that Simon had invited Jesus looking for an opportunity to trap him or to interrogate him in front of his colleagues. You see, Simon was a bully. Mary felt raw emotions boiling up inside of her. She knew how it was to be mistreated. How dare they demean Jesus publicly like this? It was incredulous to her to see this happen. One who had just miraculously healed this man at the table, who had love and mercy for everyone. Why would they treat him this way? She wanted to go and reason with them, maybe even grab their shoulders and yell at them, but she wasn't supposed to say anything. 
but the emotions welled up inside of her. And with that thought, without even thinking about her rightful place as a woman, she walked to the center of the room and she stood next to Jesus. Luke 7:38 says Mary stood at his feet without warning. Mary burst into tears. Tears splashed on her Lord's feet. She was reminded of all he'd spoken to her about and she felt such immense adoration about him, all that he had done for her. She feared he would be killed. She tried to quit crying. Have you ever tried to quit crying? But the tears just kept coming, and she was sobbing in front of these people that were so unkind, all unsympathetic. She continued, but the tears continued to drop from her eyes to the Savior's dusty feet, and she started to cleanse them. Try as she could, she couldn't stop it. Muddy rivulets were all pooling around Jesus' feet. She bent over and she kissed Jesus' feet over and over as she was so filled with sorrow. You know, in Oriental lands, to embrace one another's feet and to kiss them was an entirely appropriate and respectful demonstration that you performed to show high regard for people at that time. Through all of his life on earth, Jesus' worst enemies could never accuse him of any impropriety or impurity. Despite the account that you read in books or in see in movies, Jesus' concern for Mary was a pure, holy nature because Jesus was sinless. This might be her last chance to anoint Jesus, so she took that precious vial from her clothing. And according to Mark 14.3, the vial was full of expensive perfume made of nard or spike nard, which is a rare flower that is found in other countries. It usually would cost an entire year's wage. Jesus was worthy of this to Mary because he was her priest and king. So many times people would only do this after somebody's death when it was a special ruler. But she broke the jar and she spilled it all over his feet and the fragrance filled the air. She poured the contents on his feet, saving none of it. And that smell must have filled the room. Now she must dry Jesus' feet. But with what? Certainly no one was going to give her a towel. So she carefully opened her headscarf and unpinned her long, beautiful hair. You can be sure there were gasps all around the room. Men and women would look at her and say, Ha! Why, only a husband was supposed to be able to see a woman's hair. Her hair was considered to be seductive. Good women always kept their hair hidden. In the book of Desire of Ages, it says Mary wiped Jesus' feet with her long, flowing hair. This act confirmed to people in that room that Mary was just what they thought, a woman with no modesty. Mary had anointed Jesus' head. Imagine that, an uninvited woman even breaking into this circle of people. Jesus didn't stop her. He didn't scorn her. He didn't get embarrassed by her. He looked at her with an expression that showed that he really appreciated what she was doing. He was pleased with her, and Mary stopped crying. Someday, we're gonna be, we've been told that Jesus will wipe away all of our tears and we will no longer cry. 
Mary must have been exhilarated to feel that she could bless Jesus for all he had done for her. She believed he was worth every shekel of that perfume and more. Mary gave everything she had to bless Jesus because she loved him so much. Jesus understood the motive of Mary's heart. That meant to him more than any gift or costly perfume. He knew of her devotion. He didn't need the perfume, but he knew about why she did it. And Jesus looked over at Simon, and he could tell exactly what Simon was thinking because he had horror and disgust on his face towards Mary's act of kindness. And by the way, Jesus could read Simon's thoughts just as he can read ours. Simon was thinking if he were a prophet, he would have known what type of woman this is for letting him touch her, her touch him. Evidently, because of Simon's arrogant attitude, he did not consider himself a sinner. Evidently, Simon was unaware that Jesus knew exactly what manner of woman Mary was. And Jesus still loved her fully and completely. And Jesus knew everything about Simon. He knew that Simon was the very person that led Mary into sin. And also that resulted in her promiscuous lifestyle. Despite the fact that Simon, it says in Ellen White, was Mary's uncle and that he took care of her as a child because she had no father. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he probably cared and educated for him and he took advantage of that parental role as the next of kin and he did something awful to Mary. When she was young and naive, she, he had walked away unscathed, no big problem for him, but Mary, she still suffered from her involvement with Simon. We're told in Desired of Ages, Mary had to leave her home in Bethany to save herself and her family the embarrassment because of what Simon had done to her. That was Simon, the Pharisee. Pharisees aren't fair, you see. Simon could have been forgiven of his sins just like Mary, but instead of admitting his sins, he defended his sins, blaming Mary for making him sin. And he blamed all these other women, you can be sure, because when there's one person you violate, you usually violate more. Simon likely excused his bad behavior as boys will be boys, but that does not follow in the Bible. We are individually responsible for our behavior. Sin is sin. Little sin, big sin, and we are individually responsible. Simon wanted Jesus to tell Mary off for what she did, and it shows that um, Simon was very ignorant of Jesus' ways. We can rest assured that Jesus knows the circumstances of every person here. And he gives 100% forgiveness for anything they have done and mercy. Jesus looked at Simon with one knowing look. And in that moment, Simon realized that Jesus knew all about his sins and how he had led Mary into sin. Jesus still did not expose him and embarrass him in front of those people. He knew that that would not be good for Simon, who was a very proud man. But with Jesus' quiet gaze, Simon began to see himself as Jesus saw him in a different light. 
And Judas, he was sitting there too, and he didn't like what Mary had done either. Judas turned to the other people and tried to persuade them to be upset at Jesus. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold in verse 5? Why wasn't the money given to the poor? It was a year's pay. He looked at Mary's loving act with great displeasure. He actually critiqued Christ for allowing such a waste of expensive perfume. Desire of Ages said, Judas was a crafty man and wanted to cause disaffection for Jesus. Those around him started to mumble and complain. You know, Mary's money should have been spent on the poor. And Jesus knew the deceitfulness in Judas' heart because he could read him too. Judas didn't say this because he was so concerned about the poor amongst them. He said it because he was a thief. You see, he was in charge of the money bag for Jesus. And he would often help himself to the money that was in that bag. When Mary heard the words of criticism, we are told, her heart trembled within her. Mary feared the criticism all around. And she also feared that her sister Martha, who was catering the food, would say something to her. Mary feared Jesus would think she had done a foolish thing. Jesus didn't see it, but Mary was just about to shrink away and leave the crowd. But then Jesus said to everyone when he watched this, Let her alone. Why trouble her? You know, our churches are to speak out against all the victims, I mean, against all those who victimize people, physically, sexually, abused, raped, harassed, bullied, just like Jesus did. There is no place or should not be any place in God's church for predatory behavior. We're told in the last days people will be lovers of pleasure rather than God, and the devil perverts what we think of as pleasure. Men who mistreat women or women who mistreat men will stand before the court of God one day. Then Jesus said, the perfume was meant for the day I am to be buried, he said to each person. You will always have the poor amongst you, but you won't always have me. To human eyes, Mary appeared to be a hopeless case, but before Jesus, he saw the love in Mary's heart. She broke cultural and religious traditions and unrestrained love and publicity for Jesus and showed her love. Luke 7, to 50 says, Then he, meaning Jesus, turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Now get this, because you probably thought I was imagining everything. I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. And you... She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But for he who has forgiven little, loves little. A proud Simon thought he had probably accomplished a lot just to have Jesus in his home, but he didn't invite him into his heart. Simon didn't realize that Jesus represented God. Jesus said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. 
Every demeaning, immoral act of Mary's prostitution was completely expunged from her records when the Son of God told her, your sins are forgiven. Mary blessed Jesus with her gift while he was still alive. We are told in the book Desire of Ages, too many folks wait until loved ones die to speak their words of appreciation about them. Despite all she had done in her past, a forgiven woman walked out of Simon's house with the knowledge that she was loved and valued. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Mary's fragrance didn't just permeate that room. It permeated an entire world. You see, Mary's story is told in the most popular book of all times, and that would be the Bible. Kingdoms rise and fall. Conquerors' names are forgiven and forgotten. Mary's story of love for her Savior, it's told repeatedly through the generations, age after age. The story testifies to you and me that though we are guilty of sin and deserve nothing, we are loved and considered precious by our Savior. Male and female, poor, rich, lowly, all the people are loved. Jesus carried that comforting thought of Mary's love all the way to his crucifixion trial. Jesus gave us the ultimate gift, which is coming as a baby to die so that we could be saved. His gift is enough for us. Amen? Amen. Someday we won't be just lookers at Jesus' banqueting table. We'll be sitting with Jesus. We'll be honored, so undeserving, unconditionally loved, and it won't just be for a short meal. It will be for an eternity. If we just show our love and devotion to Jesus, just like Mary did. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you that you have covered us with mercy and love, that you, who all of our sins are open to, that you have forgiven us. We pray, Lord, for those who have been hurt just like Mary. We pray for them, male or female, whoever they are. We thank you, Lord, that you do not condone sin, that you care about us, and that you want to make things right. But we know one day in the new world, everything will be made new. We pray, Lord, that we will open our hearts and show, show you the love that we have for you, just like Mary. And we thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath day and for the women of this church. We pray that you will be with us and continue to be here with us in this church. In your holy name, amen.